2: Let's get to our guest. Fred Newman is with us. He is the chief Asia economist at HSBC. He's in our studio in Hong Kong. Fred, thanks for being with us. We're focused very much not only on the inflation story, but the response of the Fed. And I think many in the market believe now that the Fed is so far behind the curve, it has no choice but to become aggressive. What could the collateral damage be of an aggressive Fed? Take recession off the table here in the U.S. Talk to me about fallout in in the APAC region where you are.
0: Well, we still see the dollar really strengthening, and, and it, it really kind of reaccelerated in the last few weeks, partly in expectations that the Fed may have to become a bit more aggressive in the short term. And, of course, a stronger dollar puts downward pressure on emerging market assets, currencies, uh, local, local risk assets. All of that, of course, uh, suffers uh, in an environment where the dollar is still strengthening so rapidly, and, and inflation numbers overnight don't really help because, of course, they reinforce expectations that the Fed will even have to pick up a bit of speed here.
1: Uh, We had a warning also this week from the IMF chief, Kristalina Georgieva. Uh, As rates rise, uh, debt servicing for vulnerable nations is going to rise with it. Uh, Are there any debt burden economies in the Asia-Pacific that are, are looking vulnerable to you? Perhaps another Sri Lanka in the making?
0: Generally, actually, Asia looks pretty robust on that front. Uh, now we've seen, of course, debt levels rise quite quickly during the pandemic. But if you look at the overall debt level, it's still manageable. Uh, we have fairly comfortable with FX reserves, so Asia does not stand out as a region where you do find vulnerable sovereign uh, uh, names. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, there's some headlines even suggest oh, the currency depreciation is reminiscent of the Asian financial crisis. But far from it, we are fundamentally fundamentally in pretty robust shape. The problem for Asia is growth, Uh, it's not not financial stress.
2: So if we do get a recession here in the US and the consumer kind of uh, contracts a little bit and you're not going to get the demand for overseas goods at a level that maybe you would otherwise have, um, what does that mean for for Asia? Really, two words,
0: trade recession. Uh, And given how dependent Asia is on exports, that's where the growth problem essentially comes from, is that we've seen roaring shipments uh, into the U.S. in particular the last two years. It helped us actually through the pandemic. And we may see recovering domestic demand, but if exports now falter, of course, that still on that basis will mean slower growth for Asia. Key question, though, is will China pick up the slack Uh, China is a bigger export market than the U.S. uh, for some markets in Asia. And if China comes back, then obviously there'll be a big offset. But of course, that looks challenging as well at the moment.
1: And uh, Fred, we've been talking about the data we've had out of the U.S., but some important numbers coming out of China as well, among them GDP numbers at the end of the week, anticipating a sharp slowdown there. Difficult one for policymakers, isn't it? You can have COVID zero or you can have growth, uh, but you can't have both.
0: There's certainly tensions between the two, um, and I think for the GDP numbers, it's it's probably likely, it's very likely that the economy contracted, but the bigger focus will be actually on the high-frequency data suggesting or, or telling us whether in June we saw a bit of a bounce back. That's really what we're looking for. We know April, May was you know a big, big, sharp correction to the Chinese economy are we recovering? How much is consumer spending really coming back? And so these are some of the, the trends that really we follow very, very closely. And there is you know some suggestion that there's some improvement, but it's not quite as steep as we saw in previous cycles. So still some work to be done, and that's where you see them come out with stimulus announcements and, and very supportive words. Again, uh, the premier out uh, uh, overnight suggesting that really the labor market needs to be supported.
2: Perfect transition to this next story, which right now is on the Bloomberg Terminal. Uh, The team at Bloomberg News has crunched a lot of the official announcements from Beijing, and the figure that they have arrived at is $1.1 trillion of funds that would be available for infrastructure spending in China. It seems like we've been here before. Is that the best recipe for what uh, the Chinese economy needs right now?
0: It's the fastest way to get money into the economy. And, and uh, China has a massive construction sector. A Part of it, though, is still ailing, and that's the housing construction sector. So you want to then at least try to put a floor on the construction by helping the infrastructure side. And that's why you see this focus on the infrastructure side uh, uh, really coming through here. It's a fast way to do this. It helps to stem the broader decline in housing construction to some extent. But you're right, I think, because some of the weakness was actually in services and consumer spending and to what degree the infrastructure focus translates into those sectors. I think that's still a, a bit of a question mark.
1: Yeah, in terms of real estate, I mean, that is still a troubled sector. We also had a story on the Bloomberg Terminal today about uh, mortgage holders in dozens of Chinese cities now refusing to pay up because of issues uh, with their apartment buildings. Is this a sector that's still got significant troubles ahead of it? Still significant headwinds, uh, for sure. Whether these uh,
0: stories are sort of isolated, it's hard to say whether well, it's more or less compared to last year. So we don't have really good data. Certainly, anecdotally, in some markets, uh, the market is still under pressure. Um, they're trying to relax some of the restrictions, trying to uh, accelerate uh, housing sales. But confidence is very weak. So it will take time to to stabilize that sector. So you need a stopgap measure. And uh, it looks like they decided that the infrastructure side will kind of have to step in before housing construction then starts to pick up again. And of course, it's a question of how quickly things move. Is housing construction going to linger faster, more uh, before infrastructure picks up or is the infrastructure side going to accelerate quite quickly? So, So we have to see uh, we do think we're going to get better numbers out in the second half of the year, but it's not, not going to go back to pre-pandemic speed uh, very quickly here.
2: Fred, I know you're an economist, but I'd like uh, nonetheless your take on what you're seeing in the energy market and how that may impact the global economy.
0: Well, it's, it's easy to point to oil price and say oil prices are falling and uh, certainly from the highs early in the year and that that provides relief to the global economy. That's certainly correct. But uh, remember that the energy sector is broader and we still see big dislocations in the gas market, for example. Uh, certainly that matters a lot for Europe, it matters for Northeast Asia actually as well. Japan comes to mind here, Korea and China itself. And we have coal prices which are still very elevated in places like India, for example, huge demand for imported coal as well. So if you look at energy prices more broadly, the relief is not quite as large as declining oil prices would suggest. But of course, uh, oil trading around 100 is a huge relief vis-a-vis 120.
1: All right. And uh, yeah, the oil price right now, 96.52. But OPEC, of course, are warning this week that uh, don't expect any relief coming in 2023. Uh, Fred Newman, Chief Asia Economist at HSBC. Thanks so much for joining us on the show today with your insights.
0: The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media. The city Cutter and Premier Sponsor Q Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at Cutter Economic Forum.com.